The following is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic Whittier events and gatherings, please visit mosaicwhittier.org. Hey, would you guys uh, join me by standing for a second as we read from the Word? We're going to read from Mark, chapter 7, verse 32. There are some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. He spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Hephaphatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Would you pray with me? Father God, we pray this morning that this verse would be the same for us. That the words that come out of my mouth would not be my own, but they would be yours. And our ears would be opened to receive your word, to allow it to seep in and to change us forever. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So today we are continuing our series called Imagine, and this is the the third week of the series. The the first week was titled Imagine, a Generation of Revolutionaries. And in that talk, what we discovered was that a revolution will always start in the soul. And at the end of that talk, a question was posed to us, and it was, do we have the courage to be who we were meant to be? In the second talk last week, We continued this topic of imagine, and it was imagine leading out of passion rather than fear. And in this talk, we read the words of John, and we saw the progression of following Jesus, becoming his disciple, and then being set free in that process. And the question was posed to us at the end of that one as well, and it was, are you expanding the freedom in the lives of others? Because the freedom is not for ourselves; it's for others. And today we continue the theme of imagine. And today our topic is imagine a church that sacrificed. Many of you have probably heard of this ailment called the phantom limb. And what that is is basically when a limb is is lost maybe due to gangrene or from the war it gets severed somehow, that the the person who loses the limb, they can actually still feel the limb. And in many cases, they can feel the limb moving around, and and they're, they're not confused. They know in their head that the limb is not there, and yet their brain tells them that it's moving. And I think for us that sacrifice is much the same. For many of us, sacrifice is a phantom limb. Maybe at one time it was something that we did, something that we experienced. It was part of who we are. But for many of us, that was lost. It was lost a long time ago. And our brain has convinced us that we continue to live lives of sacrifice. But in reality, 
we don't. See, I think the good thing about preparing a, a, a talk, whether it's a Bible study or uh, this or whatever you're doing, you begin to soak that topic in. And, and it begins to transform you. And what I discovered in this process is that I do not live a life of sacrifice. As a matter of fact, real sacrifice is almost foreign to me. And, and so when I speak today, I am not speaking at you. It's a conversation that is going on with me. And since it's just us, we'll all be a part of it. See, we're often convinced that our service is sacrifice. See, I, I will get up early on Sunday mornings and, and drive the truck here in the morning. Um, Dan, thank you for doing that this morning. Arrive early, and many other people do that as well, and we set up, and then we'll tear down afterwards. And, and I have convinced myself that that is some sort of sacrifice, when in reality, that's just service. That's just doing something that I've committed to, holding up my end of the deal. I was joking with Pastor Octavio, and make sure you always call him Pastor Octavio. He likes that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also Elder Bobby, and same goes for Elder Bobby. I always call him Elder Bobby. Hey, if you guys don't know, Bobby, can you just stand up real quick? And, and th this is one of your elders. So if you see a bald Mexican in a dark alley, don't be afraid. It may be your church elder. <laughs> so I, I was joking with them. Hey, man, you guys always give me these topics that are going to guilt people. Why do you put me in these positions? And, and I was joking. But you know what? There's some truth to that. And see, it's my hope that you will not be guilted this morning. And I'm not so much concerned about you feeling guilty, but it's actually because guilt is not sustaining. At some point, if you do something because you're guilted into it, that's going to be lost. At some point, you're going to say, ah, it's not really worth it anymore. That guilt is no longer enough to compel me. And that's what I hope you are this morning, that you are compelled and not guilted. That you are compelled by something that is bigger and greater than yourself. And today we look at sacrifice, and we're going to basically hover around the book of Mark for the most part. So let me give you some background, some context to it. Mark, who wrote this biography, was the son of a wealthy and influential woman named Mary in Jerusalem. He was the cousin of another biblical figure that we read about, Barnabas. Mark was the one who accompanied both Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Most would agree, and they subscribe to the idea that, in fact, Mark was really a scribe on behalf of the Apostle Peter. And so when we read the gospel or biography according to Mark, we're actually reading the words of Peter written down by Mark. This gospel was written to Gentiles, anybody who was not Jewish. This book is without doubt a book of action, which I think is another key that tells us, yeah, this was probably 
These are the words of Peter. If you know Peter, Peter is a man of action. And so this book is a book of action, and it focuses on what Jesus did rather than what Jesus said. It uses the term at once or immediately over 40 times. So it's quick hitting. It is split into two main divisions. The, the first 10 chapters, we see Jesus as a servant of the people. From chapter 11 to chapter 16, we see Jesus as a sacrifice for the people. And so with that context, with that in mind, let's look at Mark chapter 8. We'll begin to develop what service and sacrifice look like. When he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross, and we'll stay here for a second, and follow me. There's a lot being said in this one verse, and actually there are four things in particular that we're going to look at. The first, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple. Uh, you see, that, that tells us that it's a choice. It's something that they have to want to do. It's something that we have to want to do. And why would someone choose to be his disciple, a student of Jesus? It would be because they see the life of Jesus and they are compelled to it. They're drawn to it. There's something so attractive about it that they want to get to know it further and deeper. And so if Jesus, if his life is compelling and you want to learn more about it, the next part tells us what his life actually looks like. You must deny yourself. You see, the life of following Jesus is no longer one of self. It's one of others. The selfishness is gone. Selflessness is what we put on. It's a life of service. And then we see that you must take up your cross. And what's he telling to it? What, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, listen, this life of mine is a life of sacrifice. It's not a life of sacrifice so my, for my own good or for my own benefit. It's a life of sacrifice for other people. And so he's saying, if I compel you, if I draw you in, you must know that this life that I'm calling you to is a life of service and a life of sacrifice. And lastly, he says, and follow me. And this speaks to faith, because I will tell you this, being compelled is not going to be enough in the end. When we begin to serve and to sacrifice, we are going to have to have faith in order to endure. And so Jesus is saying, follow me, trust me. Even when you don't know where you're going, have faith that I'm leading you in the right direction. And verse 35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You know, in the end, what matters most to you? What gives you significance? What defines you? Because whatever that thing is, is the thing that you are willing to lay down your life for. It's the thing that you are willing to sacrifice for. And so we are asked, what is it that gives you significance? And so we come across this dichotomy between faith and belief. And we'll take a look at Mark chapter 10. And we'll see this, how faith and belief are really worked out. 
Jesus started on his way, and a man ran to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. He is saying this because in the Hebrew um, text, the word for good in its ultimate sense was only applied to God and God alone. And, and so this man comes running up to Jesus and he calls him good teacher. And, and whether the man really knew what he was saying or not, in essence, he was affirming the deity of Jesus. And, and so I love what Jesus does here. Do you guys ever do this when you're in a conversation and come, somebody comes up to you and they're excited and they say something and then you have to like repeat something back to them? Wait a second. I want to make sure you know what you just said. And so this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. And so he's reminding the man, listen, I, I love it. And whether you know what you said or not, let me point it out to you. You are on the right track. You are close. Verse 19. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not, shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud and honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have done since I was a boy. It's pretty good. I, I cannot say that. This is a pretty good guy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And you know what? If, if you're asleep for the rest of this talk, wake up for this point and this point alone. Uh, we are so afraid to come to God with our issues. With some of the things that we've done in the past we allow those things to keep us from God. And when we approach God, even if we are angry with him, God looks at us and he loves us, regardless of what we're bringing to him. You see, God is not a God that says, do what I say and don't talk to me, just do it. He is a God that encourages conversation. He's a God that wants relationship. He's a God that wants to speak to you and wants you to speak to him. One thing you lack, he said, Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What things are we holding on to that are keeping us from God? See, we can all agree on things that are destructive or negative and say, yeah, that's something that will keep me from God. But see, we also hold on to things that are good. And in the process, we miss out on something that's better. I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to something that's very personal to both my, my wife and I, but since it's just us girls, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk. <laughs> My wife and I, we, uh, we have been unable to have children. It's something that has gone on for a long time, and, and I think maybe the thing that's most difficult is that there's really no reason for it. There's no medical reason. And if we had some thing that was wrong, then, okay, we can, have, we can settle in that a little bit. But everything seems to be fine except it doesn't happen. And we've held on to this for a long time. And, and quite frankly, it has consumed us to some degree. And, and especially my wife, as, as so many of our friends around us have children, and we love kids, and she loves the, the, the children of the friends around us, but it can be heartbreaking at times. 
And so just recently, I had, I had been feeling the voice of God, the tugging of the Spirit was speaking to me, and I, I ignored it for a while, and eventually I said, okay, let me have this conversation with my wife. And so we sat down and we talked, and I said, babe, I, I think God wants us to let go of this thing. I, I think he's asking us to, to grab on to something else. And I think what he's saying is that he wants us to invest in kids, foster kids in particular. And I'm sitting there, and <laughs> my, my wife begins to weep. <laughs> and, and it's just quiet for a moment. I try to comfort her, and I say, are you okay? And she says, yes. I've been praying for so long that you would get here. <laughs> yeah. She had been there for so long. But it was me. And so we had this amazing moment where we said, God has been speaking to us separately for so long. And he's been telling us the same thing. We've been holding on to something that is good. The desire to have kids. But what God had and planned for us was something bigger and better. And when I, immediately, because I'm a, a dreamer and futuristic and I like to think big, I, I began to think this is going to be bigger than just a foster kid or two or three. This is going to be a nonprofit. And my wife, if you know her, anybody, you know that, that she has an amazing heart for, for animals and dogs in particular. And she has felt bad to some degree when people ask, you know, why do you care so much about dogs? And she was confused for a long time, like, God, why have you put this on my heart? Why is this so important to me if it's not important to other people? And through this process, we realize that there are foster kids who have no idea what real love is. Love is a fleeting thing to them. And then there are these animals that love unconditionally. There is so much therapy in that that is unbelievable. And we thought, if we can somehow pair the two together, introduce these foster kids to these dogs that will love them completely, they can train them, raise them up, love them, and then they can learn service and take those dogs into elderly homes, into hospitals, and give people joy. What an amazing thing that would be, right? And, and, and the reason I share that is because my wife and I are dedicating our lives to it from this point forward. But we can't do it alone. It, thank you. <laughs> but we can't, we can't do it alone. It doesn't work in a bubble. It takes a community of people. And so back to the point. What is it that you are holding on to? that is actually holding you away from God? Why is it that this man who ran up to Jesus looking for answers couldn't let go? He knew, he believed that Jesus, the good teacher, had answers. Answers to the ultimate question, the big question. How do I in inherit eternal life? What is the meaning of all this? He believed that Jesus was a person who could answer that question. But then he gets the answer. 
and he's grieved and walks away. So why is it that he was not able to move forward and follow Jesus? And what I will say to you is I believe it's a matter of faith. And this is the difference between what it is to believe and what it is to have faith. And so let's look at what faith is in Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There are two things in this, assurance and confidence. And when we look at what assurance and confidence mean, it's more of a reality than it is a hope or a dream. And so if we look at the word faith, faith is much more closely tied to the idea of to know rather than to believe. You see, because both assurance and confidence, belief has neither. Belief contemplates and faith activates. Belief realizes, faith actualizes. Belief has theories, faith has practice. Belief is a way of theology, faith is a way of life. Belief is thought, and faith is action. And that's what this book of Mark is telling us. It's telling us that you have to live a life of faith. You cannot proclaim a life of faith. See, there are dark voices in the world we live in. And I believe that there are two ploys that these dark voices use that are so venomous. The first is to believe in unbelief. To be convinced that there is no God, there is no other, there is no meaning, that this is all just happenstance. And so they believe in unbelief. The other, I believe, is much more sinister. And the other has infiltrated the hearts and souls of people throughout this country. And that ploy is to make people confessors, to make people note-takers, to make people believers and degreeers, and then it goes no further. See, our, our churches are full of people who will wave a banner, who believe that there is a God who is out there, but there's no proof and what they're saying. We have forgotten both the words of Paul and of James. And some of you know, and some of you may not, that, that Paul wrote extensively in the New Testament. And one of his main themes was that the grace of God, the salvation that we have, it comes through faith in God and faith alone. And then James wrote, and, and in his book, he said, yes, faith alone, but show me your faith by what you do. And some have tried to argue that these two are at odds with one another, when in fact they are saying the exact same thing. And in fact, they are only repeating the words of Jesus when they're saying it. And we'll look at those words now in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked of him, 
of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Verse 30, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this. Now remember, he asked for one. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And that's good right there. Thank you, bro. There is no commandment, singular, greater than these, plural. And so what Jesus was telling us in this is that, listen, the greatest commandment is that you love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and that is faith. But it is inseparable from loving others, and that's works. The two are holistic. They are not two separate ideas. And so you might be asking, why are we focusing so much on faith in a talk about sacrifice? And see, the reality is we will never be able to sacrifice the way we've been called to sacrifice if we don't have faith. See, because to us on the outside, to, the, to us looking at sacrifice from the outside, to us who are convinced that we're already sacrificing, although that limb is gone, sacrifice is way too hard. Sacrifice costs way too much. And see, belief is not going to be enough to sustain us and overcome that. We have to have faith. But see, here's the cool thing. In sacrifice we discover the heart of God. In sacrifice, we discover the heart of God. Sacrifice on the outside appears to be so difficult. It appears to be sacrifice on the outside, but on the inside, it is simply an expression of love. Sacrifice is simply an expression of love. And this brings us back to the punchline in the beginning, and that is that sacrifice is inseparable from God's love. We are incapable and unable to sacrifice if we have not experienced the love of God and continue to experience the love of God within our service. This morning, um, when Dan pulled up in the truck, he was met by two, three other people, and they began to unload. And if you have seen the truck and all the stuff in this room, you'll know that two or three people is not nearly enough to get all of this unloaded. And Dan told me that there was this random guy walking by who said, hey, do you guys need help? And Dan said, absolutely. Would you help us? And here this man proceeded to help them bring everything upstairs. And when the, the truck was unloaded, he said, okay, I, I've got to go. And he was gone. Man, what a picture of sacrifice. And I can't help believe, but in some way, in some form, in some sense, that was an angel from God that came to encourage those who were here. And by the way, in the back, we're going to have a sign-up sheet. 
<laughs> we need people who will be here in the morning <laughs> to set up and to tear down. We do. And the reality is there's enough people here where if we had enough people join in, it would be once a month commitment. Tops. So I encourage you in the back, if this is something you are compelled to do and not guilted to do, that you will sign up for it. So like the previous weeks, we kind of closed with a question. And so I am going to close with a question here today as well. And the question to you and to me, what would this community look like if we were a church that had the faith to sacrifice? What would this community look like if we experienced God and we shared that love with others through service and sacrifice? What would this community look like? What would this city look like? And see, the beautiful and amazing thing is, is that God is putting different things on the hearts of everybody here. It's not the same for any of us. And what's so great about that is we can do so much. Things that I don't think of, you are going to think of. But man, the beauty that would come out of this place, it would ooze. The lives that would be changed, the people who would intersect with their creator would be amazing. You see, we are, and by God, will never be concerned solely about numbers, solely about bodies in this building. Do we want this place to be packed every Sunday? Absolutely, no doubt. Do we want this place to grow? Absolutely, no doubt. But I'll tell you here this morning, the thing that draws us, the reason why we do what we do is because we know that the life of Jesus is compelling enough to draw all men and women to him. And when they experience that life, they will experience service and sacrifice and the love of God, and they will experience faith that will set them free. Woo, preacher. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful moment. What a beautiful, beautiful opportunity we have before us. To have enough faith to sacrifice. Would you guys pray with me? Father God, we read in your word, the word sacrifice. And we read the ultimate expression of what that was, and that was your son who bared the cross on our behalf. And the amazing thing is, is that what we find in this ultimate expression of sacrifice is the ultimate expression of your love. Because sacrifice will always be surrounded by your love. Let us not fear the word sacrifice or the idea of sacrifice or what our brains have convinced us sacrifice is. Set us free from that. Help us to have the faith to step into the rhythm of your, your heart, your desire for us. 
And the beautiful and wonderful thing is, is that we do not have to do this alone, that you are by our side through it all. Father, give us the courage to step off that cliff, to be all in. And for those of us, Lord, that just can't get to a place of faith, but we're okay with believing, that is okay. You are welcome to continue that journey here. It's a process for each and every one of us. And you are on no timetable except God's. Father, we thank you for your patience, for your long-suffering, for your love that is unending. And each and every time we try to turn and run from you, when we turn back, we see you are right there with open arms ready to embrace us. For that, we love you. We are so grateful. Lord, I pray that you would bless this community, that you would give us the faith and courage to step out and sacrifice and love and service. That we would not be about what benefits us, but it would be all about what benefits somebody else. It would be all for others. Give us hearts that long to set people free by introducing them to the one that does that very thing, that sets us free. Lord, we love you and we thank you. You are a good God. Pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Mosaic Whittier. For more information on getting connected with the Mosaic Whittier community, please visit mosaicwhittier.org.